you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hello and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 25, Nevermore. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That was slightly (laughs) underwhelming. (laughs) I thought I'd mix it up. Way to undercut me. No, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, Paul, we've hit a sort of little mini milestone. We're at episode 25. Yes. It's a, it's a big episode. Not all, nah. well, just a tiny just, just a Just a tad. No. <laughs> Not only are we recording this the same week that Doctor Who is celebrating its 52nd birthday, or anniversary, however you prefer say that birthday um but we had an episode where we saw the last of a companion but we'll get into that momentarily so spoilers spoilers yes um (laughs) but i'm sure if you've been anywhere remotely near the internet you you know it's been almost a week uh since that episode aired so yeah you, sh- you should have been able to watch it by now. I, I honestly, I, I saw some stuff on Facebook that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit because I was actually sharing um, our post about, hey, give us your opinions um, on the episode just to see if we could get a few more. And we actually got way more than we could possibly read on the show. Right. Um, but something that, uh, that I got from a couple of pages was... Uh, you can't be posting spoilers on the page. It's not been 24 hours since the show. Da, 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 da. But then, like, two hours later, I see them posting, like, memorial pictures and stuff for Clara. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I can't post a question about your opinion over the overall, you know, validity of the episode, but you could post <laughs> that. Okay. Okay. Do it your way, and I'll, you know, I'll move on. <laughs> no, apparently some people's opinions about what is a spoiler don't match up with what mine are. So, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> but we'll, we'll get into your thoughts uh, on Face the Raven here shortly. We do just want to take a quick second to remind you about our Thunderquack Podcast Network holiday giveaway that we're doing. This is uh, for our Patreon supporters. There is one prize pack being awarded, and the winner gets all. We are announcing a new prize every week leading up to the giveaway. Last week, we told you that the winner will receive a $25 Amazon gift certificate. This week, we are announcing a digital copy of Jurassic Park has been added to the holiday giveaway. Uh, in order to be eligible for this giveaway, you do need to support the network on Patreon at the $1 or a more level. Uh, so if you're interested in that go to patreon.com slash thunderquack for more information or to support the network the network includes uh, not only our podcast but a couple of star wars podcasts quiver the green arrow podcast uh, an x-files podcast comics podcast and more so be sure to check that out uh, you do need to enter by december 18th by 6 p.m and the winner will be announced live on our Star Wars The Force Awakens spoiler cast on December 18th. Uh, it'll be announced at the beginning of the spoiler cast, so if you hadn't seen Star Wars or you're not interested in Star Wars, uh, you will be able to find out the winner and then leave if you so desire. But, $25 Amazon gift certificate, copy of Jura digital copy of Jurassic Park, and more to be announced. So stay tuned for that, and please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thunderquack. We'll also be posting links on our Facebook page to that if you want to go there and, and find it as well. So Yes. All right. Well, enough about that. Um... Spoilers. Let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Of course, uh, as usual, we're, we're going to give our spoiler warning because we talk about the episodes completely. Um, <laughs> but before we get into our thoughts about Face the Raven, we're going to get into your thoughts. Now, as Paul said, we did share our post about this on, on a couple of other pages, and we got a lot of responses. But... For the purpose of this episode, uh, just so that we aren't here reading your responses for the next 20 minutes, we're just going to stick to the ones on our Facebook page itself. But thank you everyone, if you are listening and responded on a different page for responding. We do appreciate all of the conversation. Um, on Facebook, Stephanie Rutkin says, uh, About freaking time. Been ready to be rid of her, Clara, since season 8. She's really overstayed her welcome. I, for one, applaud when it, applauded when it happened. I know I'll get hate speech for this, but good riddance. Glad it's over. Suze Akio Wilson says, "All I Wow. All I have to say is wow. Ramona Schnitger gave us uh, quite a, a very detailed response here about a, a lot of different thoughts uh, regarding the episode. My first thought was the Ronnie clunky tool bracelets are her style then i thought why did a shielder ask the doctor to give her the confession dial my brain snapped to the uh the keliak from the stone of blood uh stone which is a fourth doctor storyline another thought what 
beings might be able to open or scan a confession dial in its contents. Maybe something that could be used in a court of law against the Doctor. The deaths of Clara. It sounds like Trial of the Time Lord. It does. It, that does. Uh, the deaths of Clara. Is this our Doctor visiting each splinter of Clara? Or is this a bunch of multiverse events similar to Doctor Who and Companions relative to their respective universes all side by side uh, to instead of looping back to a point to create like fan fiction writer would do uh, if they didn't like the ending of the story do a do-over, a multiverse do-overs and all the do-overs lined up dying. Imagine seeing all the deaths of Clara on a hundred thousand little screens, each screen its own splinter separate universe. Uh, referring back of course to when Clara jumped into the Doctor's timeline at exactly. the end of Matt Smith's run. Uh, so is this sort of just like you know, she was wondering if this is sort of just a do-over death for her rather than another all those, one, another one from right from that uh, event. And then finally, I'll, Peter... I've got a comment to make about that in a little while. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, why, why don't we go ahead and. and... If it's that if it's for that specifically, let's go ahead and. Well, uh, I, what I was going to say is that Stephen Moffat said that uh, they have set this up so that when Clara is gone, she will not be able to come back as a character. That is that was he, what he specifically said in an interview. Um, but when you look at it from the standpoint of the way that she's looking at it there. Mm-hmm. Um, does it not make sense if she is gone through every incarnation of the Doctor and every point in the Doctor's timeline, does it not make sense that we could see some form of Splinter Clara in future episodes uh, just the same way that we did the Souffle Girl back when we originally saw her the first time? Oh. Hmm. Because we know that she has gone unseen in classic Doctor episodes, according to the uh, the show that we saw prior to the 50th. Yes, that is true. That is true. My, of course, I may be just a little too linear thinking in this, but my my take on that whole situation was that when the Doctor jumped into his own timeline and saved Clara, mm-hmm. like he went in and found the the core Clara, not one of the splinter ones that, um, and when he rescued her from his timeline, that sort of stopped all of the other events that were going on. And so any future chances of seeing her then? Yes. So that was, that was my Mm -hmm. take on it. I don't know if that's true. And so, but you can see what I would mean. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can totally see, how that could happen, but just my, that's also supposed to be how the great intelligence has scattered himself out throughout the doctor's timeline as well. Right. And the reason why we continue to see him come up on occasion and we'll probably see him in the future. Interesting. Interesting thoughts though. As with many things in doctor who, there's no real solid answer um, (laughs) to that question. Well, I mean, unless Stephen Moffat quits running the show, Stephen Moffat probably won't let her come back while he's running the show, but that doesn't mean he couldn't. She couldn't come back as a splitter, Clara, uh, with another showrunner. Right. So that's true. If she does come back, it'll be after a while. 
and it'll be like the souffle girl. It won't be actually Clara. It'll be the 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 echo of Clara, basically. Mm-hmm. Souffle girl or right. uh, the governess. I'm forgetting forgetting her name. Uh, we have one more response I need to read uh, from our post. Uh, Peter Grubb says, "Yay!" And now all we have to do is hope that Moffat is gonna get rid of Capaldi before the series gets canceled again. Well, Peter, I, I'm sorry to say, but the series is not going to get canceled. They've already signed on for another <laughs> uh, another season with Moffat and Capaldi, which I am perfectly fine with, as I've said on our Zygon Invasion, Zygon Inversion review episode. Uh, Capaldi is my favorite New Who doctor now, and <laughs> I will stand by that until the until someone else comes along and changes my mind again. Uh, but, no, I, I I don't think Capaldi's at fault for anything. And I, I know some people are concerned out there because the numbers for this season of Doctor Who are down. But BBC but is But they're doing... still good. They're still good numbers. Yes. They've been better more recently than some of the earlier episodes. Uh, but BBC has been putting Doctor Who up against up against the the rugby playoffs over there in Europe. And so, you know, people are going to want to watch rugby more than Doctor Who, I guess. Sounds a little bit like what BBC was doing to Doctor Who back during the Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy years, putting it up against other very, 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 very popular shows and programming. But hopefully BBC will not do that next season. But to each their own. They don't like this doctor, fine, but I love him, so... Nah. <laughs> I have, um, to be perfectly honest, no problem with Peter Capaldi as a doctor. Uh, now, I'm not going to lie and say that I felt that way at the beginning of last season, because it was a bit of a... I would say... It, a he, had, he had to grow on me. And and seeing the the very 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 distinct difference in the way that he was playing the Doctor at the very beginning of his run was like you said a bit of a shock. Yes, you know, it it very clearly took me back to the beginning of the first Doctor's run, mm. and I was in a lot of episodes towards the beginning of his run. I was sitting there going. This guy seems like a bit of a jerk, you know. <laughs> but you know, I went back and watched a few episodes, and part of that had to do with the interacting with him and Clara, um, because Clara was very clearly not happy with this incarnation of the Doctor being so different from Matt Smith, right? You know, and so part of that had to do with their back and forth and their um, interaction together. And how they were uh, dealing with one another, you know. And uh, this season, he's been more, I I would say, more uh, charismatic Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Which he got more of that towards the end of last season. But this season, it's been very much more distinct, very much more, uh, he's been more... I would say more of the leading man type doctor in this season than he was last season. Right. I would agree there. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and narrow down on face the Raven 
Paul, before we get into the the plot of this episode, uh, what are your overall thoughts about Face the Raven? Uh, I actually think that it was, I think that it was plotted out pretty well. If if I had any criticisms about it, I would say that I would like to see an extended version of this episode. Um, ex- extended edition, you know, maybe extended out five or six minutes, something like that. Not drastically, just you know, enough to give it just a little bit more meat to 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 uh, add to the mystery, I guess. But I thought it was pretty well written. I thought it was pretty well uh, carried out. Um, there, I think the reason why I would like for it to be a little bit longer is because it would give you the opportunity to become a little bit more immersed in this um well let's just say this this doctor who version of diagon alley <laughs> um, as somebody on facebook put it or somebody online put it um because there are so many diverse races and everything in this place it would have just been nice to have been able to have just experienced a little bit more of the atmosphere and a little bit more of the ambiance of, of the location and everything mm-hmm. you know i think that would have been really cool Nice. Nice. Yeah. We went into this assuming that it was a a one-off episode. It was going to be a standalone episode and it turned out that it was actually the sort of the the <laughs> prelude, the 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 uh introduction of of a three-part story uh that's going to wrap out the season. So Right. That was a little bit of a shift to try and make and go, oh, okay, this is like seeding all of the different things. In addition to saying goodbye to Clara, this is also seeding all of the the background information that we need to know for the next two episodes. Right. That was a little bit interesting as well because, you know, we knew going into it this is going to be her last episode of the season. Um, Well, we assumed. We assumed so. And I I believe like – a day or two before the episode came out, uh, there was articles saying, yes, this, she, this is her last episode. I, I think it was, I think it was one or two days before uh, yeah. they actually confirmed it, but we had no idea that it was uh, going to be confirmed before the show started. Um, right. Uh, when we recorded our last episode, we had no knowledge of whether or not it actually was or was not. And the, the cool thing about it for me is that, they, as far as I know, they didn't make it like really clear public knowledge that this was going to be the beginning of a three-parter. No. So you kind of went into this with one expectation, and you got to the end of it, and you had a completely different outcome. Right. You right. Know? Exactly. And so, you know, I know that there's been some people that have indicated well uh, that they knew that this was going to be a three-parter and all of this kind of stuff. They knew this was going to start the season finale and, and whatnot, but I have not seen that anywhere. No. Uh, prior to this, I had not seen that confirmed anywhere. It's possible that could have been rumored somewhere or whatever, but I have not seen that confirmed on any of the news that I've seen. And I've been trying to stay up to date on the news. Yeah, for me, it was a, a bit of a shock. You know, I, I messaged Jason as soon as the episode was over, and I said, oh, I think we have a three-parter. And, and, <laughs> and, he, and he sends back, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. 
Paul Paul got to see it before I did because because of my work schedule I get in after the initial airing and so I have to watch the the late night re airing. And so Paul got to see it before I did. And but <laughs> he sends me. I didn't spoil it for you. He didn't spoil it for me. He just goes, I think we have the, th- the beginning of a three-parter here. And I was like, oh, my. Yes. Because we had everything planned out, how we were going to do this. You know, how we were going to finish out the Series 9 on the podcast and everything. And we decided to stick to that because this is a big enough episode we need to talk about. The departure of a companion uh, without having two other episodes to talk about. So let's go ahead and dive into the the plot of this episode real quick. Uh, Of course, the Doctor and Clara, as with many of these episodes, burst into the TARDIS after some sort of adventure that they've just narrowly escaped from, you know. It it really does give the impression that we're only just peeking in on their adventures every so often, which is kind of funny. But the TARDIS gets a phone call from Riggsy. Riggsy is the the kid from Flatline last season that essentially became Clara's companion while the Doctor was trapped in the shrinking TARDIS. <laughs> and he's got a problem. He got a tattoo. Riggsy, you can't call the TARDIS. I gave this for emergencies, not because you can't remember <laughs> what happened last night and you got a tattoo. And he's like, no, 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 it's counting down to zero. <laughs> and I can't remember it yesterday at all I thought this was kind of funny the doctor looks at Clara and says what have I told you about giving people my number (laughs) 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 and she's like but it's Riggsy so yeah but (laughs) they arrive at Riggsy's flat and is it just me, or does Riggsy seem like it's it's been a couple years since for Riggsy since we've seen him? He seems to have, uh, I would say, matured a bit. Uh, he apparently is a father and a husband now. Yeah. Um, uh, so I mean, it, it's he he had that that ball cap on uh, mm-hmm. basically all of his last episode, and the way that he sort of carried himself, he seemed younger that i would say it could couple... be even three or four years yeah it seems know? like it's been three or four years for Riggsy since we've seen him just the way that he carries himself and the, his attitude uh and the way he's seems to have matured just something i i noticed not a big issue but something i noticed and of course the doctor is not really initially very interested he's in the situation uh Riggsy's like i can't remember anything from yesterday i've got this tattoo he's, the doctor's like boring and he's like no 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 watch watch the tattoo and then after <laughs> a minute the tattoo the number on the tattoo counts down one the doctor looks at it and goes oh that's not boring <laughs> <laughs> and then of course they start diving into uh what's going on they scan his phone they scan him the doctor <laughs> notices that he's been retconned which means everything from yesterday has been deliberately wiped. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no data on his phone on the initial scan from yesterday. Uh, nothing, you no know, and the GPS sc- coordinates or anything. No GPS, no phone calls, no text messages, nothing. 
and the screen is cracked now, whereas when he last saw it, it hadn't been. So they're not entirely sure what's going on. The doctor discovers that he's had contact with aliens and that those aliens must be hiding somewhere in the center of London. And he goes, ah, there has to be some sort of deflection barrier keeping them hidden. So they go up in the TARDIS. Uh, he's driving the TARDIS and Clara's hanging out the open doors of the TARDIS with the sonic specs on sonic shades as we've been calling them scanning <laughs> London with them and they're looking for spots that her eyes just sort of glance over and so she almost during, gets dumped out during this she almost gets dumped out she's basically hanging out of the TARDIS by her her, the, her toes almost uh <laughs> she starts laughing. She's laughing and screaming like this is the like it's a roller coaster. Yeah. And uh you know, the doctor is able to shift the TARDIS again and, you know, basically pull her back in. But Yeah, Riggs, Riggs, he, he Riggs, says something to the effect of she's got some issues or something he, like that. He he says he turns to the doctor says she enjoyed that way too much. And the doctor's yeah. like, I know. It's, it's been an ongoing, an ongoing problem. problem. <laughs> But oh, they they discover... we've seen more and more and more of that this season. We have we have. She's been getting really reckless, um, and we'll come to that yeah. later. We we get to a point where they've discovered that there has to be hidden streets in London, and so they go to the library to look at maps. I think it's the library, and they're looking at old maps t- to see if they can find a street that no longer exists. Uh, Clara calls them trap streets. They they get to an area where they're where Clara where the TARDIS determines Clara hadn't been paying attention to, right. and they start scanning this area. They start walking the area looking for streets. And the Doctor says, you know, keep counting things, you know, steps or or things on the street as you walk past because the deflection barrier on this trap street will make you completely lose focus and lose your train of thought and you'll have to start over again. And so we get this nice little montage of all of them counting down as they're walking down streets. The doctor gets to 87 and he stops to tie a kid's shoelaces. Um, tells the kids, remember, 87 or 82 or whatever it was. And kid's mom pulls him <laughs> away and is like, what are you doing? You know, uh, but and the kid I, I just thought it was... <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was funny because the doctor's, you know, walking down the street, counting, counting, counting. He passes this kid, notices his shoelaces are untied, stops right in front of the kid, ties his shoelaces, looks at him and says, remember, 82 or 87, whatever it was. And the kid goes, 82. <laughs> and then his mom pulls him away. And it's like, <laughs> I just thought it was it was a nice little, a nice little touch for the doctor. Um, but Clara finds the area, the street that this trap street is on, and they're they don't know exactly where it is, but she's lost count a couple times on this street, and so they're they're all scanning it, and Riggsy sees something that brings back a bunch of memories from the day before. Mm-hmm. He freaks out, 
and finds the alley that leads into this hidden trap street. He remembers how he broke his phone. Yep, remembers how he broke his phone. Remembers that there was a dead body and that there were aliens that were coming towards him. And he leads them down the street. The doctor tells him to put his hoodie up so that he's not as easily recognized. And they're walking down the street and all of a sudden the cobblestones basically start lighting up and Reach out they, and grab them. Yeah. <laughs> they energize in a way that just sort of trap their feet on some cobblestones. And it's like, what, what's going What? <laughs> That's some interesting technology. Um, but basically they're standing there in the middle of this cobblestone street lit by, you know, what seems to be oil lamps. And these guys come creeping out of the shadows and, they're they're threatening them and trying to figure out what's going on. They they sort of inadvertently reveal that this is a refugee camp for various aliens. And a shielder shows up, or Mayor Me is what she's calling herself now. <laughs> the doctor still calls her a shielder, right? <laughs> it's funny. I was watching the Doctor Who extra on iTunes after this episode. And even Maisie Williams calls her character both a shielder and me. So even Maisie Williams can't keep all the names straight <laughs> anymore. <laughs> a shielder, Lady Me, Mare Me, 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 Me. Me, uh, Me, 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 Me. <laughs> oh, goodness. But it turns out that the street is protected by a telepathic field that makes all the aliens appear human. And that Riggsy had been sentenced to death for killing uh, an alien the previous day. Yeah. And, of course, Riggsy can't remember anything about that. He has no idea, and he's really freaking out because he's like... I don't remember this. Did I do this? Did I freak out and accidentally kill somebody? I have no idea. And he, and of course, everybody on the street keeps calling him murderer. Yeah. And it turns out that the tattoo that he's got is counting down uh, a chronolock that essentially will is the 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 targeting system and the timing. For a quantum shade, which is a spirit that in this case has taken the form of a raven, and when the tattoo counts all the way down to zero, the quantum shade then kills whoever's wearing the quantum lock. It, so it's some sort of avenging spirit of well, some the, sort. The fact that it's called a quantum shade makes me think maybe it is something that it, possibly a spirit that was trapped in time somehow. Yeah. You know, the doctor does say at some point that no matter how far you run in time or space, it will find you. So right, um, you can't really escape it. So it, uh, it very much almost seems like uh, some form of a grim reaper yeah you know yeah or or like the the ring race from lord of the rings yeah uh, you, you got the ring and they're just coming after you um, and all they need is a target yep and the this tattoo is that target 
not only does it let the quantum shade know where the person is, but it also tells them when to kill them. To mark kind of like the black spot. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, Essentially, a shielder said that uh, she gave Riggsy enough time to go say goodbye to his family. And that's why he was back at his house today, rather, you know, rather than him being killed yesterday. And the doctor's like, oh, come on. You did that so he could say goodbye to his family, but he didn't even know he had to say goodbye to his family. She's like, everyone gets a memory wipe when they leave this street. That includes you, doctor. Uh, <laughs> Clara's like, no. <laughs> Clara's like, like hell. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But the doctor talks down a shielder a bit, and so she agrees to let them investigate, because the doctor and Clara do not believe that Riggsy actually murdered this this woman. Um, well, I mean, would you? No. <laughs> He's probably the most tame person that you'll meet, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's. If he had done something like that, it would have been out of self-defense, because he would have just been trying to get away. Right. Um. <laughs> right. We also learn that a shielder, or Mayor Me, is the one who controls the chrono lock for the Quantum Shade. And it's evidenced by these interesting, intricate tattoos uh, around her neck area. She makes the point that she has a contract with the Quantum Shade. So she has an actual agreement of some type. Now, I don't know if that is a physical contract that, like that you would have on paper or what, but she has some type of a contract with the quantum shape. It could be something like, you know, like a blood contract of sorts, which is really weird to think about. But I'm, I'm also going back to thinking, you know, black spot type of things. Mm-hmm. And... and you think about it, you know, I, I didn't pay attention to it as much while I was watching the episode, but the more I thought about it after I, I realized this, those tattoos that she has actually go and possess that bird, mm-hmm. which means the quantum shade is actually in her. Right. Right. But we'll get there in a second because there is someone else on this street that has a quanta, a chrono lock on the back of his neck. Uh, is an older gentleman. Um, at least that's what the telepathic field makes him look like who has stole who stole medical rations for his wife who is apparently sickly and his chronolock tattoo is almost at zero now Riggsy has about 30 40 minutes at this point this guy's got two mm-hmm and a shielder makes a an example out of this this old man. She says, I could take the chrono lock off, but I won't. And his wife turns to him and says, give it to me. Let me take it. And he goes, I did this to save you. How could I lose you now? The thing and, is, he did it because she needed it in order to survive, and her thoughts are, I'm going to die anyway, so go ahead and give it to me. Right. You know? Right. But he won't He won't give her the chronolock. And um, it counts down to zero. 
And the tattoo on a shielder turns into this mist that goes in and, as you said, basically possesses this raven that's sitting in a cage at one end of the street. And it turns into this mist smoke thing. Fly, you know, yeah, goes through it, the bars of the cage, and then it's essentially like you a said, a wraith. You know, yeah, it's it's a wraith of sorts, and it's, uh, it it moves through things by turning into the smoke, but when it doesn't have to do that, uh, it takes the form of this raven, and of course the the man starts to run frantically through the streets to try and escape, but ultimately. It is to no avail, and the raven impacts on him. He screams and yells, you know, in agony and pain. And the just, wraith basically just comes out of smoke yeah. through his mouth as the life leaves him and he falls to the ground. Now, doesn't a shielder say at this point, doesn't she say, why does everybody always run? either a shielder or, or one of her henchmen yeah they say why does everybody always run because they know they can't get away right and and it's uh, just really sad and, and pathetic and kind of heartbreaking to watch yeah it was um, it was dark it was really dark um, and the doctor has noticed that there's you know quite a few very violent species on this street but he says to a shielder after this, you know, how can you do this? How could you be so cruel? You could have at least given him a merciful death. And she turns to him and says, do you think a Cyberman respects a merciful death? Or fears a merciful death? You know, and she said, this is basically the way I have to keep order. Because otherwise, <laughs> these aliens will kill each other and we'll have but chaos. She, she does this, I think, to placate them, to to give them the the violence that they are not allowed to do themselves. Maybe. Because there's a lot of these races that you get the impression that they commit violence just to be committing violence. You know, that's the reason why I say that is because it, it just seems like, okay, I'm not going to allow you to, to do these violent acts, but when this opportunity comes up, for me to allow you to witness them, I will do that so that you can therefore, you know, have that, uh, f I guess, feed that, that hunger for that violence that you have inside. Kind of. hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. The, the other, the other side of that is that it could just be, uh, you know, fear to keep them in line. You know, you step out of line at all. Because she says that they've got very strict rules of conduct. But you step out of line at all, and you face the raven. And the raven never loses. <laughs> the the uh, Are you familiar with um, uh, the short story, uh, The Lottery? No. Okay, this, this episode reminded me, at least the tone of this episode reminded me um, of the short story, The Lottery. Basically, in this village, uh, in this story, they have a lottery once a year. And whoever wins the lottery is stoned to death. Oh. 
and all of their friends and family and even their children participate in this ritual stoning that is supposed to basically be like a sacrifice for their deity so that they'll have a bountiful harvest and everything the following year. And yeah, it's, it's a very dark story. And this, the tone of this kind of reminded me of that story, you know, and and when you're reading this story or you can actually see a, a a short movie on this um, when you're watching this or reading this initially, you don't get the impression necessarily that that is what's happening when this lottery is being done but you notice that people get more and more and more and more anxious as this is taking place and you start getting the impression that this is not going to end well you know and and then when you get to the end of it and they the one person wins you know basically it's it's a, a blind drawing you know they everybody gets a lottery slip and if your lottery slip is the one that shows you're the winner then you're the one that dies you know it's just a random drawing and uh yeah in the story you actually have like the child of this person and helping to stone them uh in the village yeah it's it's dark it's it's rather creepy actually um, yeah, that's yeah. putting it mildly. <laughs> we, um, we did this uh, story in English class back in high school. So, <laughs> oh <yeah>. my! <laughs> Along with some of those other stories, like the monkey's paw and some of those others, you know, uh, darker stories. Uh, wow! Which honestly are kind of right up my alley, anyway. But um, <laughs> something tells me that's not on the the yeah. reading list of high schools nowadays. <laughs> um. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah that's the vibe that I got off of this. It, it's kind of like th- we're doing this kind of ritually almost, you know, uh, it almost seems like to me that it's also to, to uh, satiate the hunger of the, the quantum shade itself. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, definitely. Because that kind of comes up later. Uh, it's, it, it wants its pound of flesh basically. Well, after this um, very troubling event, the doctor and Clara are told by a shielder that she believes them, but you have to convince the people of the street that Riggsy is not the murderer. And so the doctor, Clara, Riggsy all start all set out to talk to people and see what they can learn about what's going on, you know, before time runs out and time is running out fast for Riggsy. And everyone just keeps looking at them sideways, and nobody looks at Riggsy in a good way at all. You know, whispers of murderer are thrown his way whenever someone passes him, and it's... I I was starting to get irritated with them. I was like, stop it, guys! (laughs) (laughs) But, um... But they don't know him like we do. They don't. They don't. (laughs) But there was one person that looked at them differently more with curiosity and confusion rather than distrust and anger. And it was the the son of the woman who died. Actually, she's a daughter. And the important thing about that is that these aliens have two faces, one in the front of their head and one in the back. The one in the front can sort of peer into the future 
The one in the back sees into the past. But only but one only is the, active at one at a, at a time. One sleeps while the other one stays active. And only the females have this ability. And so the mother of this young woman dressed her and as a boy so that no one on the street would know of her abilities and try and take advantage of that. But the doctor and Clara figure out that she's actually a girl. Yeah. And ask her if she can help them figure out what's going on. And her powers aren't, are still developing. Her abilities to look into the future and to see it in the past are still developing. But she does know that whatever is going on revolves around the mayor, Mayor Me. And that the future of it is uncertain because it depends entirely on the doctor. And the doctor starts to realize this is all about me. It has nothing to do with Riggsy. It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. this murder. And so they go back to where the body is being held in the stasis pod. It was being held there because it was going to be taken back to the home planet for burial. Doesn't Except, he sort of indicate that he knows who's done this at this point? Yes. Uh, the doctor thinks he's figured out what's going on. Because they get back, they see the stasis cha- uh, stasis pod thing, and he goes, the problem with this situation is that this species planet was destroyed. So there's no way they could be sending it back for burial. Mm-hmm. Because their planet was destroyed and the rest of them enslaved, and these people are refugees that escaped slavery. Um, Which I'm sure that they would make very good slaves for people who want to have nefarious ends to predict the future and stuff you know exactly exactly so he surmises and discovers that this woman is actually just in a state of suspended animation she's not actually dead and he starts trying to figure out how to turn off the stasis pod to revive her and the machinery because this is the best way to prove Riggsy's innocence because if they can present her alive to the street, then there's no murder, Riggsy's innocent, we can take care of this problem. The problem is, is the way to turn off the machine uh, is in a little compartment on the, the machinery there. It's a keyhole. And it's a keyhole. The problem is Lady Me, Mayor Me, has a key, and she's nowhere to be found. She's AWOL, as the doctor says. And so the doctor has to use his key, and they're they think that Lady Me is after his TARDIS now. Mm-hmm. This is the way that she's going to get it. But he goes ahead and opens the key, uses his TARDIS key to open the keyhole anyways. He reaches into the machinery to turn it off. And while he turns it off, a bracelet, a metal bracelet of some sort, is clamped onto his arm and he can't get it off. The mother is revived. Mayor Me walks back into the room and starts to reveal what's going on. Yep. It's never about your TARDIS, Doctor. I don't want your TARDIS. Someone wants you. But I couldn't just ask you to come here. That's a teleport bracelet. I had to create a mystery for you to come. Yeah, basically she says, I know how much you love a mystery. And I know, I know you, that this is the only way that you would have 
shown up as if you had something to figure out. So Mayor Me is working for someone. You get to catch the doctor. Do you get the impression that there was a threat posed to her to say that either she or her people would be hurt if she did not go along with this? Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, she now has the doctor captured. She has the doctor right where she wants him. She asks not only, you know, she says not only are, am I going to teleport you to where they want you to be, but I need your confession dial. And he gives that up to her and she's like, how does this work? What is it? And he goes, it's my last will and testament and I have no idea how it works. Um, <laughs> Lied. <laughs> I'm sure. But... This is at the point where they say, where she tells Rigsy, come over here and I'll turn off your quantum lock. Your your, your chrono lock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, She's going to take the chrono lock off Rigsy because this is all taken care of. The the goal has been reached and no one actually has to die. Now we have a flashback. Because we've no. not talked about this yet. No, no, we, <laughs> we skipped a part of this because Riggsy no longer has the chronolock. Clara does. Clara noted. Uh, you may ask. Yeah, Clara <laughs> noted that the couple whose husband was killed by the quantum shade, the woman offered to take the lock from him. Clara did some more digging, found out that you can pass on the chrono lock. And so in order to gain more time and be clever, like the doctor, she convinced Riggsy to give it to her. Because she was under the personal protection of Mayor Meat. Now, the problem with this is Mayor Me made a specific contract about Riggsy. And that Riggsy would not die if the doctor could figure, if they could get the doctor captured. When Clara took the chronolock from Riggsy, she changed the terms of the agreement. And a shielder no longer has control. Yeah. She can't take it off anymore. Because only the initial person who got the mark can have it removed right that was information that we needed prior to this right (laughs) well we we kind of got it though because she asks one of the goons uh about how that all works and he goes you can pass it on but but you can't escape death someone will die and she was trying to be too clever and had... She didn't catch that part. She didn't realize she did... that's what he meant. Right. And so she goes back and is thinking about what he what he said, and she realizes her mistake. See, now this is where you have a shielder trying to be as clever as the doctor, mm-hmm. creating this scenario. And then you have Clara trying to be as clever as the doctor, creating this scenario and all of this is going on behind the doctor's back right because <laughs> clara convinces Riggs to do this with while the doctor is busy investigating yeah the doctor's talking to people clara is 
trying to be clever and her, and says, her, her whole thing doctor. is that the doctor will have plausible deniability for all of this basically right and since she's another personal protection of the mayor she has to be able to, you know, save me from it. And the doctor is smart enough. Even if she can't, he can. Except no. 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 This is... This is bad. Yeah. Nothing can be done, and she's got less than ten minutes. And the doctor snaps. This is where you see the dark side of the doctor come back. Uh, yeah, which we've honest to God not seen really since uh, I would say probably I would even say maybe since David Tennant. Yeah, since Waters of Mars, maybe. I mean, not to this extent, you know. Right. Uh, you saw a little bit of it with Matt Smith, you know, when he would get a little creepy, you know, in some of the things that he would say or do as far as his dark tone or whatever but not to this extent we've not seen this extent since waters of mars right <laughs> right it's been it's been a while since the doctor's got you know threatened at this level and he basically threatens a shielder look you're going to take care of this you're going to take the chrono lock off you're going to take this uh teleport bracelet off because if you don't I'm going to reveal your little street to the entire world, and we'll get Unit in here, we'll get the Daleks, we'll get everybody, yeah. and we're going to wipe it out. He's like, I'll get the Daleks, I'll get the Cybermen, you know? <laughs> right, he's going to bring everybody. He's going to literally rain hell on her little street. He tells her flat out, I will end you. Yes. <laughs> and she goes, the Doctor wouldn't do that. And he goes, no, the doctor wouldn't, but you're stuck with me right now. You're not dealing with the doctor. <laughs> not dealing with the doctor anymore. And he, it seems like he is on the verge of making her crack. But Clara steps in. Do you get the impression that this is the war doctor coming back to the forefront? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. But Clara steps in. And she tells the doctor to, to stop because if this is her last, these are her last moments, she doesn't want to see the doctor like this. And she orders him no revenge, no recriminations, no one will suffer for what's going to happen to me. She basically says, let me go. I'm trying to think of, of, of where I want to go next with this. Um, it's a very interesting scene because she's like look this is my fault and the doctor is like but i should protect you she says i never need i never asked for your protection and he said you shouldn't have to i'm less breakable than you are you get the impression that the doctor looks at her almost like a surrogate daughter mm -hmm. and i find that that's kind of interesting uh because you know he doesn't always get that attached to his companions i mean he has but there's obviously different levels of attachment that he's had with different companions and stuff you know and and i i, I don't know i mean even even back with matt smith you kind of got the impression that he looked at her almost like a little sister or something that 
you know, fashion. You know, with Matt Smith, it was almost a flirty relationship. Uh, but this one, their relationship dynamic did did change, and it was almost like they were siblings or cousins or something. You know, he being obviously the older one, needing to look out for the younger one, but. Clara is ready to accept full responsibility for this and she tells Riggsy, don't you dare feel guilty about this. This is my choice. This is my decision. And she's going to out to go out into the street and face the raven. She won't run. She's going to do it honorably. She's going to do the bravest thing that she knows how to do. This was a bit of a... a... I... I... To a certain extent, a bit of a heart-wrenching scene, you know, um, mm-hmm. even though I don't feel like that we got to see as much of the connective tissue, per se, on screen, maybe this season as we got to see in the past with her, uh, between her and the Doctor, I, I still felt like that when you got to this point, you still felt it, you still, you know... It it was very it was very heartfelt scene, you know. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, wasn't overplayed. If anything, it was understated slightly, you know, because it was not to the extent that we got to see with uh, the end of Rose's run, right? But it it for for what it was, it was almost underplayed. Yeah, you know. Which to me made it even feel even more strange, even more tragic to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's almost like we were seeing it all kind of from the doctor's perspective because he's not he's in so much he's so angry and he's in so much pain that he's isn't allowing himself to feel the grief of the situation. It was almost numbing, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because you're almost you're almost sitting there going, okay, well this is going to get resolved. You know, you just get in that mindset when you watch these episodes of, yeah, what's the doctor going to do to fix this? You know, he's going to fix it at the last minute. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But that's not happening. It's literally just you're in this numb void kind of emotionally this, you know it's the slow march to the end yeah and there's nothing to stop it no one can change it and she goes out to the street and she faces the raven the raven comes and she dies yeah i don't think we've had a companion death since Adric in the fifth Doctor's run. Probably right. I mean, Perry, we sort of think she dies, but then they sort of, an episode or two later, come back and say, no, she's really okay. You know, uh, during the trial of a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've actually had a companion death since the fifth Doctor. Back in... 83 I think is when that happened I'm not entirely sure of the date but it's been a long time since we've had a companion die on screen well they very clearly stated that when Capaldi came on board they were going to move in a direction that was more toward classic who 
Yep. And that would follow right, right along with that, you know. Uh, right. Which is kind of interesting considering that people want to compare this new series with the classic series and say that the new series is more adult-oriented and things of that nature. But when you think about all the dark content that's in the classic series and you think about how people associate that as being more for kids, you know, <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it's, you know. It's the way the content is presented sometimes, I think. But so we have a companion die. Yeah. And, and we still have a couple minutes left of the episode. And so we can't just sort of like it doesn't just go straight to credits and we're just sort of left there to. Uh, you know, ponder and try and digest. We still have to wrap up something with the doctor. Well, the doctor at this point says to a shielder, he says, you want to stay clear of me. Yeah. You know, she didn't... you don't want to find me again, you know? Right. You want to know why <laughs> Clara told me no revenge? It wasn't for my benefit. Yeah. It was for yours. And then he turns to her and says... Stay out of my way. You will find that the universe is a very small place when I'm angry with you. Yeah. And then the mm -mm. teleport bracelet activates <laughs> and he disappears. The bracelet falls on the floor. A shielder is standing there with Riggsy and she's in shock. She's hurt. I think... For a while, a shielder sort of considered the doctor some sort of an equal. Mm -hmm. And now she realizes that she's made possibly the worst enemy in the universe. And she's scared. And she's hurt because she never wanted that to happen. Well, now you have a scenario where someone who is not intentionally a villain is seen as a villain by the doctor, you right. know, and I don't know that we've seen that very often in this, in the series, uh, in the past either, you know, mm -hmm. usually there's a clear cut line of hero, villain, dark light, you know, uh, with a few exceptions in between. And right. this is one of those clear cut exceptions, you know, she doesn't see herself as villainous. She felt like she was doing what she had to do in a situation. She was trying to be as clever as the doctor would be in this situation, but she did not factor in the Clara factor. Right. Right. So, <laughs> which her mistake. All right. Before we, we wrap up this and give our ratings and everything that uh, radio times had an article 12 questions and some answers after Face the Raven. And there's a couple of these that we want to address here on the show. One goes back to a comment we got about from one of our listeners. Is Clara really dead? Yes. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> All right. I think she uh, is. Um, at least I think the real Clara is. Maybe not the splinter Claras that were out there floating around, but I think the, the actual Clara Oswald is dead. I I I believe that is the case as well. I if we see her again it will be a splinter. There's no resurrecting her. The quantum shade seems to be a very final 
death. She doesn't even go by the same name in the Splinter versions of herself. She goes by uh, what is it? Uh, Osgood was not not Os not Osgood. Osgood. Um, Oswin. 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 Yeah. Oswin. She goes by plays. Oswin Oswald. So you know she she very clearly differentiates herself as when she's a Splinter form. Now, did Clara have a death wish? Uh, this is something where I think, and you and I talked about this just briefly before we started recording, I think yes, but she didn't realize it. And that was basically your words too. Mm-hmm. Um, she's She's been really reckless this season, and this is obviously uh, her way of trying to cope or run away from the pain of losing Danny Pink last season. I see her as having PTSD this season. Because I think that there never was a true resolution for her when it came to Danny. And I think that she used the doctor as a catalyst to keep pushing herself forward. And I think that's one of the reasons, like, I think we we talked a little bit about that, I think, back in um, our episode Under the Flood, where she very clearly says to the doctor, you can't leave me, you know? And we talked about, we felt like the reason why was because he was sort of her new addiction, so to speak. And the other thing that's going on with Clara, and and I'm reading, this is an idea from the, the article by radio times is Clara seems to be trying to, in addition to to run from something, run from her pain, trying to elevate herself above that, you know, sort of that companion role and become sort of Dr. 1.2. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously with, with Flatline, which was the last episode with Riggsy, she sort of was the doctor with Riggsy as her companion. Sort in of. In a sense. Yeah. In a sense. And she's tried to really sort of do the doctor sort of things in a lot of senses. And and with this episode, she, her plan to take the chronolock off from Riggsy is Dr. 101, you know, all well, this the stuff. Season finale of last season, she was actually calling herself the doctor to the Cybermen. Right. You to know? try and keep herself alive. So right. it's one of those things where she's very, in addition to the running, she's also trying to, be the doctor in a sense, I think, and sort of emulate the doctor and everything that she does. And ever since she went into the doctor's timeline and he pulled her back out, she's actually acted in a way as if the doctor can't function without her. Right. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm too important for you to be without sort of thing. Right. And I mean, when you've saved the doctor's lives, you know, hundreds of times over, you can understand where that sentiment comes from. But yeah, she, where the doctor likes to try and, and have that burden of care for her, she seems to have that burden of care for him as well. Well, do you think about it too, uh, from the doctor's standpoint, he knows how many times that she has interfered let's say with his death 
you know, and gotten in the way of, of that. And he knows how many times that she has saved him over the years, even sometimes when she wasn't seen, because we know just by watching, uh, was it season seven, the end of yeah. season seven, yeah. that there are many times in the classic series where events that went unexplained uh, were uh, actually shown to be her interference behind the scenes, you know? Right. And so when you look at it that way, uh, he knows how many times she saved him. And now he feels like that uh, this is something that she's done for him, but he, he can't return the favor. Right. So that's our long roundabout way of answer of saying, yes, Clara had a death wish. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, she uh, was not only running from something, she was always, always running towards something as well, you know, because, yeah. you know, she was, she wanted to be with Danny again. Mm-hmm. So. And then the final question that we wanted to, to highlight from this article was who was behind a shielder's betrayal? That's the big mystery. <laughs> that's the big mystery. <laughs> And it sort of gets a little lost with the impact of losing Clara in this episode. Yeah. Like I said, this episode was a lot of setup for the next two, but it was sort of the the subplot of the episode. Uh, because the, the primary plot was Clara's leaving. I have a theory, and I know one of our, our listeners said... Uh, that her first thought when she saw the uh, the bracelet, teleport bracelet, was the Ronnie, because it's something that it looked like the Ronnie would use. And the Ronnie is a a cold, calculating, time lady scientist uh, who only cares about her experiments and not the lives of people. Now, I could see that, but my theory, and we'll see how this all turns out my theory is it's the time lords really i think the time lords want the doctor i think they found their their own way out of whatever pocket universe the doctor sent gallifrey into with the cup of soup <laughs> horrible horrible analogy doesn't really work but anyways um no uh, <laughs> just quoting the doctor there um but I think it's the Time Lords. The Doctor and the Time Lords have never really been on, uh, how shall we say, uh, diplomatic footing with each other. Uh, They've always been a little bit at odds for the most part. They've always treated him as an outsider. Well, in a sense he is, because he decided that they were too pompous and, or something, and left them uh, to wander the, the universe all of time and space on his own. I, I have another theory behind that as well, but we'll skip it for now. Okay. <laughs> and while the Doctor and the Time Lords have definitely, especially in the, the classic series, had numerous interactions, it has seldom been a pleasant experience for any of them. Uh, for example, uh, just a few, the second Doctor was brought back to Gallifrey because he had been interfering too much in time and space and his punishment for that was a forced regeneration and exile to Earth which is where we got the third Doctor John Pertwee 
Another example of this is the fact that the sixth doctor was put on trial by mm -hmm. the Time Lords. Yeah. They're, you know, in trial of a Time Lord, which was an entire season. Um, and that has an entirely different incarnation of the doctor supposedly putting him on trial. Right. Which, <laughs> spoilers, but yes. But yeah, no, the, the Doctor and the Time Lords never had a very smooth relationship. And so my my theory is the Time Lords are back. They've found their way back into the universe. And they want either to sort of establish some sort of terms between them and the Doctor. Or they want to sort of bring him back into the fold. And this is the way they did it. That's actually a pretty interesting theory. I have not even thought about that. Well, you know, well did you have any other theories? Honestly, uh, I knew that it probably would very be very unlikely that it would be Davros or the Daleks. You know, it just doesn't seem like something that we would see happen after the story that we got at the beginning of the season. Right. Um, I'm not saying that they've not worked through those types of means before because we know they they have. As a matter of fact, that's one of our second Doctor Story reviews that we did was very some, something very similar to that. Uh, you guys should go back and listen to that. But uh, the thing that I think is, could it possibly be like the Great Intelligence? Hmm. Well, that would be kind of a full circle thing with yeah. the Clara angle, because she jumped into his timeline to save him from the Great Intelligence, and... Maybe the great intelligence has finally, you know, gone, all right, I need revenge on you. See, if so. you think about it from that standpoint, that would explain why in the trailer that we got after this, why we see little images of Clara pop up every once in a while, you know, in this next episode that's supposed to be coming out, kind of reminding the doctor of Clara throughout the story, you know. It kind of makes me wonder anyway, because, you know, she went in immediately following the, the great intelligence. Right. And, of course, that also explains why the, the great intelligence pops up all over the doctor's timeline as well, is because he was scattered out throughout the doctor's timeline. But, you know, perhaps he is aware of everything to do with Clara because of the fact that they were both scattered out throughout the doctor's timeline. And that is the reason why he's now putting that in the doctor's face. That's possible. That's that it is possible. That's my far-fetched theory as far as that goes. You know. Uh huh. I mean, at, almost anything is possible, really, because we have no idea. Because a shielder only refers to them as they. Excuse me, as as they, mm -hmm. and um, she gives no indication or no clue as to who they are. And that could be uh, a singular or a plural, depending on how you use it. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. Well, of course, as of the time of this recording, we've only got <laughs> a day left before we find, you know, start to find out what's going on. I um, can't wait. <laughs> oh my gosh, I cannot wait. But before it's, it's we sort also of... supposed to be Capaldi's uh, single man episode as well. Yes, to an extent. Single, Although we do single see... player. Yeah, we do see some sort of creature. In some of the trailers, but yeah, we'll see how that all turns out. That'll be really interesting. I'm really, really excited about this episode. But before we 
We have one other thing we want to get to, but before we get to that uh, and start wrapping up the episode, uh, what is your rating for Face the Raven? My rating? Oh. Wow. Just rating it as a standalone story? Yeah. And we can sort of reevaluate um, it after the, the two-parter. Or do we want to just wait till we get the, the rest of the season to evaluate well, it? Well, I don't mind. This was a bit more of a standalone story than what we've gotten with the other multiple part uh-huh. stories. Uh, so technically it could be considered somewhat of a standalone, but it might be better to wait and rate them, you know, all three together, you know, how do you want to do it? Let's go ahead and wait. Okay. Because I, I feel like there was enough setup in this episode that we really need to see how it all plays out before I can give this a fair rating. Yeah. I mean, I know how I feel about it, but I might feel differently about it once I've watched the other parts. Tell you what, let's go ahead and give it our initial rating just for the single episode. Then we'll reevaluate it when we get the rest of the season. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally, I'm totally changing things. We're, we're, we're <laughs> this is what happens when we just sort of jump into this. Honestly, I think I'm going to give it maybe seven and a half seven and a half something like that okay but like i said i wish it was a little longer so that right that would take away from it a little bit for me there were i was really drawn into this episode this episode really captured my attention but since it did have so many loose threads left hanging at the end of it Mm mm-hmm um, I'm going to give it a, oh gosh, <laughs> I'll give it a seven, a, a seven, seven I'll ravens, seven. seven ravens. Oh, <laughs> I don't want them chasing me. Um, oh, by the I, way, speaking of extended editions, oh, uh, if my information is correct, uh, both the second and third parts of this story are supposed to be extended episodes. Uh, supposed to be longer than the normal 44, 45 minutes. I think one of them is even said to be uh, something like uh, maybe 65 minutes, maybe, I think. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. So if you take all three of these and put them together, I, I think they should probably end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of about two hours and 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. Something like that. Wow. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> two hours and 30 minutes is about the length of a normal feature length film now. So well, some of them. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, before we wrap up this episode, uh, there was an article on in the radio times that came out this come out today yes it came it came out today as of the day of our recording um aren't you glad i keep up with the news oh yes that's <laughs> good and the headline is Stephen moffat on jenna coleman's replacement it gives us a chance to relaunch doctor who we've got a really cool idea how to do that so i think radio times needs to come up with some more concise headlines for their articles Uh, rather than give us the entire article in the headline. But anyway, 
I'm going to go ahead and, and read some of this. It's a rather short article, but I'll, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Uh, it says, Jenna Coleman's Doctor Who replacement is still a twinkle in Stephen Moffat's eye. But while the showrunner hasn't yet chosen the next companion, he does have some strong ideas about the character, which could send the series in a new direction. Speaking in the latest issue of Radio Times Magazine, Moffat admits he has specific ideas, but not a specific actress in mind, and says a new companion gives us the chance to relaunch the show, and we've got a really cool new idea about how to do that. Talking of personal changes, Moffat says he's also considering who will take his place when he finally leaves Doctor Who. Mm. And although he has just signed up for another series, it sounds as if his departure could come in the not-too-distant future. That's an issue I'm actively engaged in, says Moffat. Everything is difficult in Doctor Who, including leaving. I'd never leave it in the lurch because it means too much to me. Let's not pretend it's not a big problem, but there will be a solution. So, uh, your thoughts on, on this article, Paul? Uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm not opposed to them drawing out the decision just a little bit because I want to make sure that they pick the right person. Right. And I, I like, I like it when they get creative about bringing an, another, uh, character in. I don't, I'm, I'm not opposed to just having the, the old standby of, you know, well, I just accidentally ran into so-and-so and and they accidentally ended up on my TARDIS. And, you know, (laughs) that, that works sometimes too, but I just, I think it's nice to see it get creative sometimes and give a little bit more of an interesting explanation as to how this interaction takes place. You know, kind of like what we saw with Souffle Girl. I thought that was kind of interesting the way that they projected her in coming into the show even was it six months or nine months in advance something like that um, it was several episodes yeah, advance, yeah. It, it was it was very well done i think in the way that they just kind of played that up because the second time that you saw her was immediately following uh the the angels take manhattan and so you know at that point there's been a long period of time between that episode and the doctor having a companion you know and Mm -hmm. and so you got to see that dark brooding doctor kind of come back in matt smith and that is when you saw the shift in how matt smith portrayed the doctor uh so to speak you know he he became more of a mature doctor at that point you know and so it, it was a little bit of like you said a relaunch um and i i thought that was pretty pretty nicely well done you know uh to have that overlap as as far as moffat goes i think that this might be his last season coming up you know next season yeah because he he was in another interview he said he wasn't sure if he was even coming back for uh capaldi's first run Mm. you know uh, he he had not even made his mind up at that point, you know, and he said that he wanted to send the doctor out as far as his run with the show on a high note. And so, as a matter of fact, I believe that was for the 50th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. He was thinking that oh. he might not come back after that because it is a lot of work to, to run the show, you know. It is. And, it is. And he's got Sherlock and, you know, probably about five other projects. So he's very busy. And 
he was talking about just how stressful it was just for that one episode, the 50th anniversary episode, uh, to try to get that put together, and how I believe he said that it was three days maybe from the time that he signed John Hurt on as the doctor to the time that he actually walked on set to, to play <laughs> to play the role. You know that I mean he was cutting it that close and. Um, of course, his reasons there uh, for having Hurt come back was that he wanted the dark side that Eccleston could bring in, but he he couldn't get Eccleston back, and he knew that the way the Doctor had been portrayed with Paul McGann was not that dark side that Eccleston brought, and he wanted somebody to come in and be able to pull that off as that weathered Doctor. So he brought in you know John Hurt. But he was talking about then in that interview, he said that he, he wasn't even sure at that point if he was even coming back um, after that. So uh, I thought that was I thought that was kind of uh, because that that was the, the reason why he set things up the way he did uh, in the Christmas episode was because he thought it might be his last episode. As far as Jenna Coleman's replacement, uh, I, I'm going to say this basically means since we have no one announced this basically means we're not getting a new companion until next series we're not getting a new companion with the with the christmas episode obviously the doctor and river are going to be having an adventure together there i can't wait (laughs) Um, which will be awesome but he's not getting a new companion there so we're gonna have to wait until next next season to find out who the next companion will be Moffat, yeah, I, I do think next series will be his final series at this point because, like you said, he's been kind of like Jenna Coleman was last season. Right. He's been sort of, you know, going back and forth about whether or not he wants to come back and do another season for a couple seasons now. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think at this point, next season will be his last. And if I had to take a guess, I'd say the likelihood of, of it being Capaldi's last is will be fairly good as well well because... we saw it before when they changed showrunners they changed doctors so right right and so if if uh moffat leaves after next series uh we may see capaldi leave as well but capaldi loves the show a lot so he may stick around another series he has the option for another season already in his contract so right right so we'll see what happens but we still have couple more episodes of this series to finish up before we start looking too far ahead Um, and the interesting thing about this season is that we literally only have i think one week between our final episode of the regular running season and the christmas special um, i'm not mistaken no it's a couple weeks is it a couple weeks Uh, the final episode of the series is going to be i know it's close december 5th okay and then Christmas episode is obviously, you know, three weeks later. Okay, so we're only looking at three weeks, whereas in the past we've had, you know, a couple of months or whatever, you know, to stew on what's going to happen, you know. Right, right. And I don't think that was an accident. I think that was kind of on purpose. Well, we shall see what happens. It gives us All right. gives us an opportunity to, to have some interesting podcast episodes. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Any final thoughts as we wrap up this episode, Paul? I can't think of anything. Uh, this this episode was pretty clear cut. You know, at least in my mind, it was. Um, there were some people on Facebook that seemed like they weren't quite as clear cut about it as I was. Uh, I know I ended up explaining some things to a couple of people, but um, you know, go back and watch it. Just pay really good attention to the dialogue. I don't think you'll have a lot of questions at that point. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, this this was something where I think was a fitting end for Clara, I think, but I, I do think it it's it was time, time for a change. Some people said that they didn't think that it was climactic enough of, of an ending for her, you know. Well, I mean, when you think about it, she's had about a bajillion other endings. Then you had other people that said that they thought that she shouldn't have died, that she should have just walked off the TARDIS and never got back on it, and you know. But oh, I mean, every everybody's got different you know, ideas, but I I do think it was was it climactic enough? Maybe not, but it was fitting, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I it, I think so too. This ending fit Clara because I don't think there's any way that, especially the way she was behaving this series, there was no way that she was just going to voluntarily leave. No, no. So you had to have something dramatic force her to leave, and I think. Even though I think she clearly it's you know was running toward death, she she was running toward death with the doctor as her catalyst for doing so. You know, right? So there was no way she was leaving him. All right. Well, obviously, um, next episode we will be actually we will not be reviewing uh, Heaven Sent, which is the next episode of Doctor Who. We will be taking a break from our series nine episode reviews and uh hopefully as long as all everything works out we'll be doing an episode on a companion episode on sarah jane smith uh we wanted to do this earlier but end up missing a week yeah so those we things want... happen yeah those <laughs> things happen but we want your thoughts on sarah jane smith uh for our next episode and we'll we'll put a post on our social media about that after that we will be reviewing both episodes of the last two-parter of our of this season, Heaven Sent and Hellbent, um, to sort of wrap up the season. Uh, so obviously we want your thoughts on that as well. But if you want to leave your thoughts on anything, respond to our episode, tell us you were being too nice to the show or, you know, whatever. Go ahead. You can do that on Facebook, facebook.com slash TalkingTimeLords. You can tweet at us at TalkingTimeLord or you can email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Of course, all of that information, plus all of our previous episodes of Talking Time Lords, are available on TalkingTimeLords.com. Don't forget to give us a very sterling review uh, any place <laughs> that you see our podcast listed. Uh, any kind of reviews or ratings that you would give us are greatly appreciated because they do benefit us. Um, they get our names out there. They, they, they let other people know about us. Um, also, one more time, don't forget about our Patreon uh, campaign that we have going. You look at it this way. If you donate a dollar for a month, for a year, that's 12 bucks. 12 bucks is covered doubly so in just the first week's offering for this, this prize pack. So Yes. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great if you wanted to support us. Uh, that would be awesome. But I think that wraps up this episode. Do you have any other, any final thoughts, Paul, before I, we close this out? They need to bring canine back. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, what if what if they bring <laughs> an old companion back? What if they bring Romana back? That would be nice. If the if they found Gallifrey, if Gallifrey is back, <laughs> the Time Lords are the ones that are after the Doctor. What if Romana comes back and Romana joins the TARDIS again? I won't complain. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they would have to, you know, probably through dialogue or whatever, they would have to explain her backstory and everything that's happened since she left, you know. Right. Which is covered in some of the books and stuff. Uh, we'll, we won't get into that right now. Right, right. But anyway, <laughs> I think that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 25. Nevermore. <laughs> Nevermore. <laughs> For Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time, may you hope far flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. <laughs>